Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7. And we have a transfer-centric episode for you today. Obviously, the transfer portal has been a hot topic for the last few months. It opened up for the first time for transfer windows in December. It was pretty chaotic for those few weeks, and we're going to have another transfer window in the spring. Virginia was active during that first transfer recruiting window. They were able to grab six transfers, and all of them are on grounds right now. But with Virginia only able to add one offensive lineman high school recruit and one offensive lineman transfer, the expectation is UVA is going to try to add at least three more with them only having 12 scholarship offensive linemen currently, and they're hoping to get up to 15. So it's going to be an active springtime for the Cavaliers and an ideal in an ideal world, not many UVA players will enter the spring window so they don't have to fill those holes, but that's something that we'll be keeping an eye on. So the transfer portal is definitely a hot topic. So we wanted to kind of bring in a national expert to kind of explain the dynamics when it comes to transfer portal in just the college football landscape. Because again, we focus so much on UVA, but obviously things that are happening at UVA will also have influence with things that are happening around the country at different programs. So after the break, we're going to bring in national college football writer, Chris Hummer. If you follow Chris, he is involved with a lot of the transfer portal reporting on 24-7 Sports. He's really well-connected, and he is one of the first people to tell you when a guy enters the transfer portal. So we're going to have Chris on the show here after the break. We're going to talk about his first experience reporting on the transfer windows, what are some of the things that stand out, what he has seen colleges adapt to, what he thinks colleges still need to adapt to when it comes to the transfer portal and what changes he hears college coaches and those in the industry want to do in the portal. So a lot of stuff to discuss. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, we're going to listen to Chris Summer. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Jackie Franchilli for Wahoo's 24-7. And since you see the double box, that means we have a guest. So we bring in National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports, Chris Hummer, the busiest man when it comes to the transfer portal Chris, did you sleep at all in the month of December till January 18th? Did you actually get sleep? Uh, not as much as I would have liked. My Fitbit was yelling at me about my uh, sleep uh, schedule for that month or two. Um, it was a long run, but it was busy for everybody in college football, um, reporters, coaches, uh, player personnel people. So it's just hard part of the game, and uh, I'm blessed to get to cover it. So it was a lot of fun. Well, this is the first time we had these transfer windows what was your kind of first look at how things work during this first December period? Uh, well, when I started hearing about people who go on the portal like three weeks early, because teams were tampering a lot hard. Um, that was my first um, look into the windows. But I just remember waking up on December 5th at like 5 a.m. We had a 24-7 sports show we were doing um, live that day. Um, so I was on video for much of it. But I woke up and I believe there were 406 players in the portal and by the time I signed off that night at like 6 p.m. Central, there were like, I want to say like 950. So we had like 500 kids enter in day one. And that first week, there were over 1,000. Um, so it's just like the volume of players and everything's so compressed that it speeds up the process for everybody. And obviously, there was only like a week and a half before the dead period hit ahead of uh, the early signing period. So all these kids were having to visit right away. So it was just such a condensed and crazy process. It felt like we were seeing the amount of um, movement we do in the recruiting period, adding 20 plus kids to a roster, but it was happening over a one month point in time. So it was just um, it was a very hectic experience all around. Yeah, that actually, we're going to talk about Tony Musket, the quarterback transfer for Virginia. But I remember talking to him after he committed and he said it was the most overwhelming time that he's ever experienced. And a lot of the recruits I talked to said the same thing. They said it was kind of like my high school recruiting for four years in tw- a 10-day, 15-day span. Everything I experienced in four years all drowned down to a couple of days, and they just didn't know how to handle it. A lot of guys just turned off their phones a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, you're getting – if you're, like, a high-profile recruit of any sort coming in as a transfer, you're getting, like, probably 40 to 50 text messages every day from, like, different coaches plus calls. Plus um, Twitter, like DMs as well. So you're just getting bombarded. It, 
I, I can't imagine having to make that important of a decision in that short of time. I'm one of the most indecisive people in the world. It takes me like an hour to choose where I'm going to go for dinner. Um, so I can't imagine <laughs> being in a position where you have to try to figure out where you're going to go to school for the next, like however long you have left. And these players not only had to do that, like you have to, like people don't think about it, but you have to go on your visits, right? So you have to see what the schools are like. You got to get those set up. And then these players are also like applying for schools. They're like trying to get dorms set up at like the varying places they're thinking about. There are so many things that goes into that short amount of time. And it's a, it's just a wild time for those players. And honestly, for coaches, you're trying to, you're trying to put together and build a roster in like a two and a half week period, essentially. It's, um, I understand why the NCAA put the transfer windows in place, but there's definitely some drawbacks to it. And we saw a lot of those um, this cycle. Yeah, and the college coaches also have to make sure they recruit the locker room during that period so the guys do not enter into the portal. And then when they do, I know Virginia wasn't expecting Ventral Cypress to enter the portal. And then when he entered the portal, eventually into Florida State, now, hey, you need to recruit a quarterback in a transfer portal. So you go in thinking you're fine in one position, and then that guy enters the portal, and then, hey, you have another hole to fill. So it's definitely a, a ruthless cycle in just a short amount of period of time. And you mentioned that, a lot of coaches wanted this because they felt like the never-ending transfer portal was hard to kind of keep up for them. But on the flip side now, it feels like there's there's more involvement, more tampering when it comes to the transfer portal. You kind of touched on it a little bit as well. Do you feel like that's the next step? I know the NCAA is the NCAA, and when we talk about regulation, it's a little really hard to say anything, but... You feel like that might be the next step? You know, if you follow English Premier League or any soccer, they we, they do have tampering fines for program for for uh, for sports teams that you know if you tamper with my player, you get a fine or even a transfer ban. I mean, those things theoretically could work here. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess just as we see in international soccer, like there are fines and there are um, punishments for teams, but they don't get handed out often, and I don't really know how much of a barrier they are for motivated teams to add people to their rosters. Um, plus I would say like tampering is just super hard to prove. I had a player personnel director tell me last year, you're an idiot if you get caught tampering because like, there's really no easy way to trace it unless you're like reaching directly out to the player. It's not technically illegal. You can go through intermediaries. Um, you can kind of go around the situation by going to a family member. There's so many different avenues to, get at a player and tell them that you're interested if they enter the portal, that it's just extremely difficult to prove and extremely difficult to regulate. And I think with the transfer portal windows setting up the way they were, when things were going to be so compressed, that we saw a lot more of that than normal. You can't wait around anymore for a player to enter the portal, do your evaluation, and then offer. You have to know ahead of time the players are going to target, otherwise you're going to be way behind. Because I don't want to say everybody, not everybody was tampering but the large majority of college football was tampering um, this cycle. And it's just part of the fabric of the sport now in a way we haven't seen before. Um, I would say the one advantage to this sort of tampering is once we get out of those windows, you're not going to see anybody go in. I can think of several examples of late last May where people were still being tampered with and rosters were collapsing with no ability to really upgrade those positions or add back. So I will say like, Virginia didn't know if Central Cypress was going to go in the portal, but at least they had the opportunity to replace him. And that's what the windows create, um, an opportunity to replace the players that you're not expected to go. Whereas before, you can lose a player at any time and you might not have the ability to kind of fix it. 
Yeah, and actually, we'll move on to what Virginia did in the portal because they were able to reinforce a few of those holes. Six transfers coming in. Um, a few of them came in in December. Uh, Tony Musket, Kobe Pace, and Malik Washington committed early to Virginia, and they were announced during the early signing day period, and they ended up on, on grounds. Uh, Tony Musket is obviously the, I want to say the prize in this class, but probably one of the most important members. I know alignment is a big issue, but when you lose a guy like Brendan Armstrong to a transport, which you're starting quarterback, you needed that big veteran experienced quarterback to possibly fight for that QB one. You spoke with Tony Musket early on in the process too. What is kind of this, the big thing that stands out with Tony Musket? Yeah. I mean, Tony was a guy that right away had power five interests, Virginia and Missouri. I know were very much in there for him. And when you lose Brendan Armstrong, you have to replace, as you said, um, veteran experience with veteran experience. And I think they really have that. And I will say like FCS quarterbacks, like have had a lot of success. I'm thinking of Cameron Ward at Washington state this year. Uh, Austin Reed really lit it up for Western Kentucky. So there are talented players at every level. And I think Tony is one of those guys. Um, He doesn't necessarily have like traits that blow you away, but I think he's proven to be extremely accurate um, during his time as a starter. I believe this year he committed like 64% of his passes um, at Monmouth. Um, He had a good touchdown interception ratio and if you dive into the um, kind of like the uh, in-depth stats, the advanced stats, he has some stuff that you really like. I think he had an average depth of target of 11 yards, so he's willing to push the ball downfield. Um, he didn't have a lot of help at Monmouth. I think 9% of his passes were dropped, so his completion percentage would be even higher. If not for that, I think his adjusted completion percentage for PFF is about 75%. Um, he didn't have a lot of turnover-worthy plays either. I think it was only 4% of his throws. Um, bit of a risk taker, but he is somebody that you can see starting in the ACC next year. And that's what Virginia desperately needed. They needed somebody to come in and stabilize the position as they try to figure out the future of that room after Brendan Armstrong left. And we actually just spoke with Musket on the podcast too. And that interview is available on Wahoo's 24 seven on our YouTube channel and also wherever you listen to your podcast. So you can learn a little bit more about Tony and even some uh, fun things about Tony also in that interview. But he wasn't Sharp, the only one they targeted. Kid, by the way, like, I'm, I don't mean to call anybody a kid, but I'm sure that's a great interview because I, I really enjoyed talking to him. I thought he really had it put together for somebody that's so young in college. No, he's he's definitely uh, he he was definitely a very conversational guy. He he was very fun to talk to, and uh, you know we asked our subscribers too to send in some questions. So you know when that happens, you get some funny ones there too. So he handled himself quite well, and the unpredictable nature of those type of Q and A's. <laughs> Yes, yes, I bet. Um, and one thing, like you noticed during the transfers, is a lot of these guys going home. Tony Musket was one guy. He went to New Jersey for college for a couple of years, and he went back home to the state of Virginia to go to UVA. But you also see guys like Cam Kelly did the same thing, and it's actually kind of a full circle moment for Kelly, the corner from North Carolina, transferred to Virginia. He enrolled in January he was a guy that UVA wanted the first go around. And this is something that we notice a lot in the transfer portal and kind of touch on a little bit. And what you're talking about that connection of reaching out coach Marcus Higgins, ironically was the one that reached out to Cam Cully. They had that relationship in that area. And they, so he decided to visit UVA because that previous connection. And that's something that you've seen a lot in the transfer portal is that previous connection, helping you land a player. Yeah. I've had several coaches tell me like, you used to, when you recruit, you used to just like, if somebody picked another school and you needed to move on, you moved on. Like you didn't worry about it. Like obviously 
you stay in touch every once in a while, but you're not recruiting them the same way. I've had so many coaches tell me like they're staying on guys the whole process, even if they have no chance of landing them because there's a pretty good chance they're going to have a second opportunity. Or even, I guess, in a guy like Cameron Kelly's situation, a third opportunity a couple of years down the line uh, because it's just the reality of the transfer portal. And th- those connections really matter. Being close to home really matters. There are schools like, I think of like an SMU or a UCF that are really just like, owning the transfer portal in large part because they get to get kids to come home. And Virginia has that advantage too. Um, that area of the country is really talent rich. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for kids that didn't necessarily have the success they had the first time or where they uh, were to start their career and they want to come home. And I think Cam Kelly is an excellent example of that. And on top of everything else, like he's an experienced starter that can help right away at cornerback, which is really hard to find in the portal. I think per our rankings, he's the highest rated portal commitment in the Virginia class. He's a four-star, so he is somebody that brings a ton of experience to that room, and I think it'll be huge. Yeah, and, and then you use several other connections, like Tony Elliott used his Clemson connection with Kobe Pace, which is another guy that Virginia is very excited about. Tony Musket actually highlighted Kobe in our interview, saying that he has been in awe of how much he's been working in the weight room. So that's another guy that Tony Elliott was able to use his connection to recruiting Kobe in high school, getting him at Clemson. And then when he saw him in the transport, boom, he went in, got him on the visit and got him at Virginia. Yeah. And I mean, Kobe's a, I, I always really liked Kobe um, at Clemson. Uh, he was in a really deep running back room this year um, there. And I think that, and some injuries led to him kind of taking a step back. But when you think about Virginia's rushing attempts last year like it wasn't exactly the strength of the team i don't think anybody had more than what 370 yards uh for virginia a season ago and kobe pace is somebody that during the 21 21 season averaged over six yards per carry um in the acc um he's a goal line threat too a pretty decent size for somebody that's 510 so i think that's a huge pickup um he's not necessarily a game breaker but he's somebody who elevates the running back room considerably and that virginia needs Obviously, as we saw this year, Virginia needs a lot of help on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Kobe was a huge pickup for the team. He's a uh, building block for Tony Elliott and what he wants to do with that offense. So Virginia is going to be looking for the second transfer window. You know, obviously, you see that Virginia was able to sign a few transfers. They're able to kind of reinforce that secondary with two corners. They're able to get their quarterback, get some skilled positions that they need. But they only were able to land one offensive lineman, Yugana Nana. And they only have 12 scholarship linemen at the moment. They're going to hope to get up to 15. So that means they're going to be looking at that spring transfer window. Do you foresee, if you had to guess and hypothesize and look at your magic eight ball, do you feel like the spring window is going to be as chaotic as December? Or it might be a little less of that whoosh of people going into the portal? For my sanity, I hope it's a little less chaotic, but I think you can make an argument it might be more chaotic because the last window was 45 days, right? And this one's 15. Um, And I think we're sitting at about 2,000 FBS transfers right now, give or take. And last year, I think we finished the transfer portal cycle as a whole at like 3,500. So there's a scenario, I don't know if it'll be that high this year, but there's a a world in which we have like 1,000 players enter in 15 days. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be quite that hectic. It, it might be, I could be wrong. Um, but I definitely think we'll see 500 plus kids in the portal over a 15 day period. Um, and everybody's got holes to fill post spring. Like you mentioned, Virginia in the offensive line, every team is going to have a position or two circled that they want to fill. 
And teams are going to be very aggressive, um, trying to meet their needs, which means, as we talked about earlier, tampering. And players are going to be, they're going to have the first real understanding of where they sit on the depth chart. And that's definitely going to create some movement because nobody wants to sit. And you're going to see some players that either don't think they have a chance to start or too impatient to wait, and they're going to enter the portal. So it could be a, it could be a very busy spring window. And I'm just talking myself through it right now, kind of dreading it a little bit, but it's also exciting because <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun with all the player movement we have. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of teams starting to get spring practice a little earlier than you usually see because they're trying to prepare for that portal chaos too once the portal opens as well. Virginia starts on March 15th. And one of the things I've noticed too is several teams are trying to adjust to how they handle the portal, either adding more personnel to just focus on the portal, but also how they handle admissions. Now, this is not something that I've heard UVA do because UVA has such strict restrictions when it comes to transfers. I know everyone just looks at the GPA, but for UVA especially, you have to look at credits, which is why they usually go for either really young transfers or grad transfers because it's really hard to find matching credits from another school. So when a, a student athlete comes to Virginia as a transfer, you might be behind and are in danger of becoming NCAA ineligible if you don't have those credits. But you've seen a lot of schools adapt at how they work those admissions, correct? Yeah, you you really have to. Like if you're not adapting as a school to transfer needs you're going to be behind and this this runs a range of things this could be like how late you're willing to get a kid into school like a lot of schools are struggling with that because of the way the calendar sets up um if a player enters the portal late and your ad drop date is passed like some schools aren't going to be willing to make the admissions kind of shift and get them in and some schools are um so we're seeing a lot of that like highly being highly advantageous for some programs and thinking a school like Ole Miss that started super late that has had a huge advantage with that adding kids late and then you have the academic side which you were mentioning and it's hurt a lot of schools um Stanford Rice schools like that have a very difficult time getting kids in Vanderbilt as well Virginia is obviously in that mix because of um their academic um rigors of being in the school but we also see schools bending that like look at Michigan, right? Like Michigan is a team that has very similar restrictions to Virginia in terms of its academics. And last cycle, just like talking to people around that program, they were pretty strict about who they'd let in and who they'd make exceptions for. That led to Michigan really only being able to add first year players or graduate transfers, which I believe is a situation that's very similar to what Virginia finds itself in. This year, I think Michigan was a little bit better about working around that. Um, there's still not a lot of those like second, third, and fourth year players coming in, but there have been a few. And I think if you want to have legitimate football success, and this sounds silly when we label players as student athletes, you have to be a little more flexible with your credits um, to succeed in this transfer era because it's part of the fabric of the sport. Like it's a reality. Like on average, I think at this point, probably players move once in their careers. Um, and I think it's starting to turn a little bit into the basketball model where we're seeing players move two or three times in their careers. And if you want to be successful in the environment, you have to be able to get your kids into school. Um, so that's, that's certainly something to watch nationally. And I think if Virginia wants to have a lot of success in football, it might have to rethink the way um, it works credits for athletes. Yeah. And this is not knocking down. Like when we talk about uh, flexibility and mission, it's not about, a student athlete could be a very great student. We're not talking about the 
like GPAs could be high, they could be a really great, they just, there's no comparable class at UVA, there's no general studies program, there's no communications program. So that's where the more of the, I guess, hurdles come in because there's no one for one. So you're trying to be more flexible, but they're just so hard when it comes to UVA, which this is the big hurdle. That's why a lot of people want to when a lot of people say, well, Virginia can reinforce through the portal, I always say the portal is not the answer. If you're UVA right now, you should still develop high school athletes because it's much easier to do that than to constantly be on your heels in the portal because you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, it's and, definitely different. And just one one final point with that. If this is a problem now for schools in this position, um, where this is an era where kids are getting five to six years of eligibility because of COVID waivers, it's mm -hmm. going to become even more of an issue um, in the future because we're pretty soon the COVID eligibility is going to expire for a lot of these guys. And we're going to go back to players only having four or five years to graduate. And if you're transferring once in your career and you can't keep your credits going into the school that you're going to, it's going to be very difficult for those schools to land those players because you're essentially giving up your ability to graduate to go to that school if you transfer after two or three years and you lose all your credits or lose a portion of your credits. Um, so it's going to become even more difficult for some of these academic-focused institutions, which, like, it's great. I would love to have a degree from an academic folk. I do. I mean, I, I went to a pretty... Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. But I, I don't want to dismiss the University of Texas on this podcast. Um, very good school but if you're at a place that really prioritizes academics with its athletes and isn't really willing to bend the rigors of your admissions process like you could struggle even more because the window for these players to move and graduate at the same time is lessened without the COVID extra year like you said this is an ever-changing dynamic in a transit portal and the key word here is adapt 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 when it comes to college football it's if you final final question, Chris, before I let you go, what is the one thing just covering it and listening to people around the industry? You you talk to coaches from other conferences around the ACC, talk to people in the industry. What is the one thing that universally everyone wants to see change, or something that you see that that you expect could be the first change when it comes to the transfer portal? Um, I, I don't know if there's a universal answer. I think everybody would love to get rid of tampering, but as we talked about earlier, it's impossible, um, to really rid the world of it. I think in the NIL era, people would really love to get rid of inducements, um, for sure, which is something we've seen the NCAA openly talk about enforcing. But if we're talking about the mechanics of the transfer portal, I don't know if it's universal, but a very popular idea I get from folks is getting rid of the early signing period, creating a summer signing window, and then pushing the national signing day back to February. That way you create more space for not only high school athletes, but for transfers around the winter window. And schools aren't having to deal with bull prep, national signing day, high school transfers, and keeping your own roster intact all at the same time. But at the end of the day, December is going to be busy no matter what in the era we're in. But I think that would be a improvement that would be mostly welcomed by coaching staffs across the country. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I was just, you know, following the UVA coaches during the December period. You saw them at maybe three states in one day. There was once where I saw one of the coaches. He was in, I think he was in Kentucky in the morning. And then next thing I know, I see a tweet from South Carolina watching a basketball game. One of the recruits was playing basketball. You're like, what? And I think some point in the middle, he was in Georgia. You're like, that's three states in one day. And that's because they were meeting transfer targets, but they also had in homes 
with 2023 prospects. And then you also were visiting high schools for 2024, 2025 prospects. So you're like, it's a lot. So I, I get the need for uh, the summer window. It'll be interesting to see if student athletes, would that benefit the student athletes too? Because, you know, obviously they, some of them want to do fall official visits. Some want to do summer official visits. There's a, there's so many moving pieces, Chris. Yeah, that's why there's there's no really uh, one answer for the tapestry that is college athletics. There's just so much that goes into it. Um, but I think if you had like a July or August signing day, like early August signing day, it would make a lot of sense. It would allow high school athletes to get the decisions out of the way that want to have it done. They could sign. And then you could have a little more runway for official visits and transfers um, in the fall or in the late fall and the early winter. Um, but yeah, a lot that goes into college athletics and never slow around here. No, not at all. I'm guessing they would allow in-homes then during that May spring evaluation period, I'm guessing, if they move the early signing day for summer. Yeah, it's it's interesting. When they originally did the proposal to create the um, early signing period, it was supposed to actually come in concert with the summer window. That was the original plan. And then at the last minute, they scrapped it. And I think a lot of the hangups we have with the current system is because there is no mechanism that allows um, some of the pressure that is created by having to do all of those things that early um, to lessen uh, by having a lot of those guys sign the summer. Because I think I think the stats show like 70 percent of high school athletes are committed by the summer ahead of their um, senior year. So for those who wanted to get the for those who wanted to get their decisions out of the way, like it would make things a lot easier for everyone and you wouldn't have coaches like having to do in-homes with kids in mid-December that had been committed for a year already. Um, so that is, I think that is a solution that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I know what Virginia did was actually, they had a couple in-homes and a couple official visits with kids committed for a long time. They actually had those in January after. Oh, that's, that's, oh, that's oh. smart. Like, just yeah. Like yeah. So that's and, what they did because I know a lot of people were kind of shocked to like, Oh, I thought we signed him. Uh, Landon Danley was one that, a shoulder in-home visit and to Kai Kirby was another that took an official visit in January, but it just, just makes sense. A couple of these guys were in state championships in December. So, you know, they were saying, you know, we'll come in January and then UVA followed with in-home visits there too. Um, I think that might be also the, what some, some schools are doing, but again, in January, you're still recruiting chant transfers and you're still trying to get ahead in 24, 25 and now 26. So again, a lot of moving pieces, but, uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us and just kind of breaking down the transfer portal and what you've seen and obviously what it entails for Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And of course, if you continue to like what you're hearing, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to wherever you listen to our podcast. And if you can go to Apple and Spotify and leave us a review and rate us. So for Chris, I'm Jackie Franchuli, and I hope you guys have a great rest to your week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 